Welcome to the We Are SC podcast. This is Eric McKinney, joined by Greg Katz. Greg, it's uh, it's been a while, but uh, some some big news today. The Pac-12 released its conference-only 10-game uh, 2020 fall football schedule. Uh, let, let's get straight to it, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm going to open the floor to you. Your sort of big takeaways, not from the schedule itself, but just the, the media availability from, from some of the Pac-12 uh, co- commissioner, Larry Scott, and Stanford head coach, David Shaw, on there. Uh, your, your takeaways from today, just about kind of the, the idea of releasing this schedule today. Well, I thought that a lot of uh, thought was put into the schedule. It's not like they said, just play. You know, it's not like saying, your kids are going to school, forget about the coronavirus. You know, doors are open. Uh, my, my feeling was, is that, uh, Scott, the commissioner is fully aware and emphasize that they understand what they're dealing with. They understand that perhaps not all the teams in the conference are going to play the same number of games, uh, because of the coronavirus. Uh, I think they seem to be, uh, have given a lot of thought to how games would be rescheduled, uh, they're under no illusion. Scott did say that uh, he can't make a prediction on whether the season will last how many games or what's going to happen. But uh, it's almost like uh, one step at a time. And uh, hopefully we can get as many games in as we possibly can. But I thought that David Shaw was, you know, for a football coach, which is not a knock, uh, was very thoughtful in saying they've, from a coach's standpoint, you know, the players know what's at stake. He knows what's at stake. And they're going to kind of just take it, uh, you know, in concert with the rest of the conference in terms of the conference itself working with its member schools. Yeah, I, I liked what he said, David Shaw, that is, where he said, look, we're going to do as much as we can until we can do more. And, and I think it goes the other way, too, until things go down. You just kind of do what you can. And and like you said, I like sort of the elasticity, I guess, that, that everyone is operating with where you know, hey, what we can do today might not be what we can do tomorrow, but we're going to try to, I guess, try to do as, as much as we can uh, at all times. And, and when you go in, kind of, you, you throw out the window the idea of sort of competitive balance, I guess, at this point. And, and Larry Scott said that where right now that the date where you can start kind of fall camp is now August 17th. uh, And that gives you, now that the schedule is set to begin September 26th, that gives you sort of more than a full month to prepare. And he said kind of up front, you know, you get 25 uh, practices and I don't fully expect it to be a guarantee that every program in the conference is going to be able to utilize those same, you know, those 25 practices in the exact same way uh, and they're going to really kind of give it up to local and, and state health authorities in terms of uh, how schools can go about doing that. And also they got into uh, talking about fans uh, at games this year. And, and Larry Scott said that's not going to be a Pac-12 decision. That'll be uh, up to, again, the, the local health authorities. So all of those things, you, you sort of take this uh, schedule release and say, for now, right at, at the end of everything, it, it's it's what it looks like now, and and I'm with you. I think they did a really good job uh, putting the schedule together. You've got um, 
every team in the conference, the first two games that they play. So that's kind of a, a four team pod. Uh, if you want to look at, at it like that. So USC's would be, they open the season against UCLA uh, and then they play Cal. So Cal's first game is against Oregon state. So, so that sort of group, Cal, Oregon state, USC, UCLA, they have the same bye week so that if they have to push uh, either of those first two games, you can now reschedule them uh, at the bye week or they have that open date for the entire conference uh, week 12 um, into December, December 12th. And so you could also push those games into there. So like you said, a, a lot of sort of layers, a, a lot of thought put into how can we play these games? And of course, at the end, you, you put that stamp on there. We don't know if we're going to even be able to play all of these games uh, as they're presently scheduled. And he even opened to, you know, some teams might be able to play all 10 and other teams might be able to play fewer than that. And I think it's it, right right now, the way it's sort of set up, you sort of take what you can get. You look at, at Major League Baseball right now and, and what they're being forced to do, kind of come up with rules on the fly. Uh, teams are in, teams are out. And, and when you have travel like this, where you don't have a bubble like like the NBA is able to establish, that becomes kind of a, a big deal. And so the fact that they're willing to do that, they're, they're willing to sort of say, hey, week by week, we might need to make changes. I think that gives you a better shot uh, at playing the most games possible. So, so I, I think kind of we took away sort of the same things uh, when you're talking about sort of the big picture look at that. And I think they've done a good job impressing on the student athletes, you know, when, when the football players are back, I, I think they've done a good job sort of pushing them. It, it's up to, to you guys a little bit uh, in terms of how we, we do this and, and that it really is kind of the onus on them to, you know, you, you stay away from fraternity row. The, the story coming out yesterday where, you know, USC had a bunch of positive cases uh, on that. And, and uh, I, I think that sort of throws into uh, this whole thing, this whole recipe, a lot of uncertainty. Well, I think it's, um, well, let me just give an editorial opinion. First of all, I don't even think they should be having a season right now, but they are having a season or going to attempt to have a season. I mean, if money wasn't involved, logic would say, look, you know what? We're playing whack-a-mole. You know, it's, uh, there's just so many moving parts to this. It can go down the drain at any given moment. But let's let's tip our hat that they're going to give it a shot, and we'll we'll see how far they can take it. Um, you know, as far as that first game against UCLA, that question was actually brought up in the media uh, conference uh, just a little bit ago, and the number one idea was that they tried to pay attention to where the hot spots are today, which obviously is Los Angeles is one of them, and they are fully aware that that's a, a situation that could easily very easily end up rescheduling that game. So they saw that as, you know, either reschedule it on the bye or reschedule it at the end of the season when I think most of us would agree that it's nice to have the, the rivalry game at the end of the season, uh, if possible, because it's almost like a season unto itself. So, you know, it's going to be, you know, you want to get excited, but part of you says, you know what? You don't know where this is all heading. You know, I don't know where it's going. Nobody knows where it's going. And the conference admits they don't know where it's going. But to their credit, they've got maybe four or five different scenarios 
and they'll try to adjust on the fly. So we'll see. And I think that's sort of almost where you have to be right now. It's, it's, it's okay, kind of whatever happens and, and trying to sort of lock in on, you know, we have to play this many games. You have to get, you know, all your, all your home games or, or any of that stuff. It, it's going to make it really hard uh, if, if the idea is to be inflexible going into this season. I, I think there's, I, I honestly, I don't think we've seen the end of having to uh, plan and replan and, and change things and all that. I think there's a, I think there's an extremely good chance uh, that we start the season, that, that they do play college football this year. I, I think each week, look, looking at the schedule now, if you look at, at USC's schedule, I think the chances of playing, you know, when, when you're talking about all, all the way down into late November and, and December, uh, I, I certainly don't give those games the same chance of happening right now as I do looking at, at those first two weeks. And I think that's just kind of how it's going to be uh, with this schedule this year. But uh, again, the, the PAC 12 has taken a lot of heat and rightfully so about mm, almost every single decision it's made over, over the last few years. Uh, but it is one of those, you know, they, they, they made the decision pretty early uh, to kind of redo the schedule, go to a conference only schedule they, they were second behind the big 10 uh, they're the first conference that, that's released a schedule. And in the end, it, it really has been, I think, the Pac-12 that a lot of these other conferences are, are now going to kind of look to and, and try to emulate a little bit. I, I think the conference has ended up uh, taking a, a, a positive step in terms of, you know, being a little bit of a, a leader in this. It felt like for a while that they were just going to kind of do whatever the, the Big Ten did. Um, well, I think uh, I think reactionary uh, decisions. Yeah, to your point, uh, who would have thought that uh, the Pac-12 would be kind of in the forefront? And I'll tell you why, because it just was released that uh, the SEC is going to play conference only. Who would ever thought that? I mean, the SEC would, you know, they they'd rather they they would give up their firstborn to start playing football. Okay, and to me. Uh, when the SEC was willing to do that, and now the ACC, I believe, has also followed suit in that, mm-hmm. with Notre Dame becoming a part of the ACC, uh, at least for this season in, in games, uh, you know, kudos to the Pac-12 for taking the initiative and perhaps being a little bit more, shall we say, logical, along with the Big Ten uh, in uh, just where things are. I mean, look at the Big Ten. They've already got Rutgers. This whole team is quarantined. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's just wild. Stay for, for a little bit too, sure. Yeah, yeah. And again, going back to that maybe overworked term, whack-a-mole, uh, they're trying to make it happen, uh, but it's so difficult, so difficult. Uh, and then, you know, they talk about, as you mentioned, I thought it was a very appropriate, was when November comes along and they start talking about the flu season and the, you know, virus season and you don't know whether you got the virus or you've got the flu and you look at what happened uh, with the sc uh, fraternity row and recently i think it was some report was 40 people Mm -hmm. came down with the virus you know look at if the pros can't do it why would we think that that the colleges could get away with it you know there's a lot more uncontrolled environment in college than there is in the uh, professional ranks so you know, 
we'll go with the idea and stay positive that they're going to play and take each game and take it for what it's worth and just enjoy it if it shows up. Yeah, and, and I think, like I mentioned before, there, there's so much kind of responsibility put to put on these players. Larry Scott said, you know, the idea of a bubble, you know, taking the whole conference, uh, sticking them out somewhere and, and kind of keeping everybody in the same spot is just not something that you can do uh, with with student athletes, even if there is, you know, just o- only distance virtual learning uh, this fall. But there, there really still is a lot of pressure on these players to kind of exist in their their own bubble on campus a little bit you know it's you 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 really can't uh if you're a player afford you know to to test positive because if you're talking about that happening during the season that's you know that's 20 percent of your of your games if if you're out for two weeks if you're out for 14 days having to to quarantine and so it, it does put a lot of pressure um, on the players, I, I think one of the interesting things so far that we've seen is that USC has has clearly done with the numbers that they've had in testing. It, it's not zero across the board, but very few positive tests. So, so clearly, they're handling this correctly. What, the the way they've brought uh, student athletes back, and, and really the numbers across the entire Pac-12, at least for the programs that are releasing them, uh, they've been very positive in the the negatives i guess is is how you you would phrase that so so i do think um that there is some sort of positivity to take out of that that usc with the players they've been able to bring back onto campus and that's not just football that that's uh all all fall sports uh they have have obviously done kind of their, their research uh, as as you could say uh, to be able to handle that the best way possible. I also think it's interesting when you talk about kind of flu season and, and what might happen there. Boy, I, you know, I've got three young kids in my house, and before March, uh, I was thinking about sort of buying stock in, in Kleenex. I mean, it was just <laughs> with them going to school. I mean, you know how young kids are. Uh, just, you know, runny noses constantly. And But since this, you know, the, obviously things have been so different and you can't you know continue forever the idea that that they're going to be uh away from other kids all the time but i mean boy boy have they been healthy and so if you could kind of impress upon uh, again your student athletes hey this is something you have to carry through the entire season uh I, i think there is maybe some hope that um that you can kind of keep keep transmission of this down through your programs now obviously like again, we're we're looking at Major League Baseball. You get one team that sort of steps out of line, and that can derail things uh, really quickly. And I, I think that's a big reason again why you went to this conference-only schedule, where now you don't have to worry about you know what New Mexico is doing or the team that New Mexico played uh, the week before they come to the Coliseum uh, to to play USC. And so it does it. it knocks out some of the questions but you know like like we both said there, there are just so many questions uh remaining and really ones that you can't you know you can't find the answer to right now it, it is okay we're going to set up for august 17th like we mentioned and maybe on august 16th we're, we're still deciding as a conference as a pro as, as individual programs uh throughout the pac-12 can we do this is this something we can do and so again we talked about usc ucla starting off the year 
they're probably uh, under kind of the, the same guidelines, same ordinances, be both being in Los Angeles. And the other game you mentioned, kind of the, the hotspot, Arizona, Arizona State is the other rivalry game uh, that, that will kick the year off. So again, that that's kind of something interesting to look at. I, I like, let, let's, let's go into the schedule. Let's, all that stuff is done. Let's talk about the schedule as it is. Okay, we're playing the full schedule. Here we go. I like, I like UCLA, USC at the top. And now I know I said we're, we're going to talk, not talk about all the questions, but if they only play one game this year, I, I want it to be USC, UCLA. So if that's, if that's something that can get done uh, right away and that's the only way to do it, I'm okay with that. I, I think embracing the weird uh, this year is, is probably <laughs> something everybody should get used to. And so, you know, I, I've gotten used to uh, players starting the 10th inning standing on second base. And, and so USC, UCLA coming out of the, the Rose Bowl tunnel to open the season. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a positive beginning. You know, if, if SC would have played uh, UCLA in the second game, it had been, to me, it would be an anticlimactic in a way. Agreed. Uh, the fact that it's SCUCLA, it's going to get everybody's attention. It's going to have something that all college football fans, at least in Southern California, are going to be looking forward to it and look, you know, hoping to 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 see it. Obviously, there's any fan Rose Bowl, but that's not really the point. The point is, is uh, SCUCLA. There's a lot on the line. I mean, you have to actually, you know, it's a South Division game. And the way the uh, schedule is lined up, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, the front end of the schedule is not exactly murderer's row. And the fact that you open up with CLA is kind of like a, I don't know if I would call it a consolation prize for not opening up with Alabama. But I can tell you one thing, if I have if uh, an SC coach and they said, you can either open up with UCLA or Alabama, which one you want to choose, I can assure you, I would say UCLA because the chances are that SC's going to out-talent them uh, and hopefully out-coach them. And right now, it, it affects recruiting. You know, if SC can beat UCLA in that first game, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a very meaningful uh, thing, the way the recruiting, which has gone, I think, uh, unbelievably well. Maybe it's a little unbalanced because I'm looking for more quality offensive linemen. But uh, be that as it may, uh, you know what? Uh, a win over UCLA to start it off uh, would get everyone excited. Even if the season didn't finish up, uh, Eric, people would still say, but we beat UCLA. Yeah, that, I mean, not, you're not at a point as a USC fan where that makes the whole schedule. But as soon as Notre Dame drops off, yeah, give, give, me, give me UCLA. Uh, and and I, so I think, the, you know, obviously the road game at Oregon, if that – if that's your first win of the year, that makes the biggest splash. But boy, in terms of being able to to hit the road, uh, recruiting and and make that statement with a win over UCLA to start the year, I, I think again out, outside of going up and, and beating Oregon, I, I think maybe that makes the biggest the biggest splash. No, UCLA is not your your most talented uh, opponent, and I don't you know I, I don't think there's a lot of hope. Uh, among UCLA fans for like a big season or, or Pac-12 South championship, but that still means something to, to go beat them. And, and looking back, this, this would be the first year since 1945 uh, that USC, UCLA um, ha, have opened the season together. So 
it hasn't it's, it's not the first time ever but certainly a while and then i, I wanted to open it up to you give, give me kind of your biggest uh your biggest takeaway um from from seeing this schedule and and we can run through it i'll, I'll we'll run through it really quickly uh you've got yes he opens up at ucla then a home game against cal travels to stanford home against colorado then they're at arizona they have a bye week then they host washington state travel to oregon host arizona state travel to utah on a friday night and then they host washington well uh, first of all just to finish up with ucla just for a second here oh sure go ahead a lot, lot of a lot of pressure a lot of pressure on clay helton and uh with with chip kelly yeah. i mean we already know that chip kelly is in a, in trouble at ucla uh you know he starts off with another loss to usc it's it's going to go downhill as far as clay helton is concerned he's he's uh you know one step away from going over the grand canyon and uh if sc loses to ucla combined with the idea of that holiday bowl will come to mind uh, the retaining him as his coach, there is a lot of, on the line for both those coaches. I mean, it's just like uh, sink or swim. But moving on to the, um, the schedule, I think it's really imbalanced. Uh, I would not be shocked if SC is undefeated uh, going into Oregon. Those last four games in November, and we have to always remember that Clay Helton always says, just wait till we get to November. Uh, our fans are really going to like what they're going to see. Well, that hasn't always been the case. And when you look at those four games that you mentioned, at Oregon, ASU, at Utah on a Friday night, what, the thing about Utah is they're restocking their backfield. By the time you get to that ninth game, those are going to be experienced quarterbacks. That's going to be experienced running backs for the Utes. Uh, there may not be any fans in the stands, which is going to make a big difference, not only at Eccles Rice Stadium, uh, up there in Salt Lake City, but any of the road games are not going to be as uh, consequential in the sense that the fans, there ain't going to be any fans. And if there is, there's going to be very little of them. But then SC finishes the regular season against Washington, which again, this will be at the end of the season. The new coach, uh, Jimmy Lake, will have his stuff, uh, you know, uh, there in, in plant. The teams that the Huskies will have had nine games to adjust to their system. But I'll tell you, those last four games, I'll tell you, just taken as a in the, within the Pac-12, can you get any tougher than that? It's it's by far the hardest Final Four stretch uh, of of any team. I, I think Utah is probably close, and I think it's interesting. I, I looked a little bit at kind of the the potential South contenders. I, I think it's kind of fair to say Arizona State, USC, Utah. Uh, would be those Utah is is in a similar boat uh, to USC. Utah starts the season Washington State, Colorado, Oregon State, UCLA by Arizona, and, and boy, if if they're not five and zero uh, at that point, I, I think Utah fans will will be you know a little bit miffed about that. But then it should be their their last five. They've got Arizona State, Washington, USC, and Oregon, and, and then Cal thrown in there as well. But that, that's, you know, a, a tough slate, uh, four out of their last five. And then you look at Arizona State, uh, and, and if they can get through, they've got Stanford, Oregon within their first three games. But, you know, they, they, they have USC, 
among their final four games, but Washington State, Cal, Oregon State is three out of their last four games uh, of the year. So, so it's definitely a different look uh, for those three teams. But, but you look at USC and, and you mentioned the UCLA game. I mean, that's a loss there is as flat as you could fall to, to open. I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, the, the, the lowest that you could go, I think. And so it, it opens up that possibility, but I, I think this team's going to be ready. I, I think, again, losing the Alabama game, I think was a disappointment for this, these players uh, and these coaches. I, I think they really wanted to go test themselves against Alabama. And so, like you mentioned, if you're going to replace it from anybody in the Pac-12, that, that UCLA game up front keeps them focused and, and keeps them motivated. But those last four games, that is going to be an interesting finish to the season. And of course, there, there's also the idea that maybe we're not getting to the last four games of the year. And, and USC starts out, you know, kind of rockets up and, and starts out undefeated. And then who knows what happens uh, late in the season. So, so that's certainly, you know, tucked back there as, as a possibility too. But I think it's a, uh, I think it's, I think it's an interesting schedule. I think when you look at, like you mentioned away games, if you're going to go play at Utah and you're going to go play at Oregon, uh, the, the fans potentially being very limited or not there at all. Uh, I think that swings things in a big way towards USC, even though I, you know, that as a USC fan, you certainly would have loved to see that Oregon game maybe a little bit earlier uh, in the season. But, but I think that could be, kind of the, the great equalizer when it comes um, to, to road games. Is there any kind of any specific game, again, outside of the UCLA game, any specific game that you're kind of looking at uh, this season now with the schedule released? I, I go back to the uh, at Oregon and at Utah mm-hmm. uh, because those are those all three of those games plus Washington are really going to be physical games as physical as you can get in the Pac-12, okay? And you're going to go up to Oregon. Uh, and I'll tell you what, if you haven't been in or you haven't been to Utah, that home field advantage is real. Uh, you know, when the MUS, the student body of Utah gets into it, mm-hmm. it's very distracting, very distracting. And Oregon is a complete insane asylum at Autzen Stadium. I think and, and we, we will mention this to our listeners if you have not heard already, the Pac-12 championship game is not in Las Vegas this season. Right. It's, going be, it's going to be hosted by, I assume, uh, either by head-to-head contract, uh, contact uh, or it's the best record. Whatever it's going to be, uh, it's going to be at the home field of the team with the best record, uh, or as I said, in head-to-head combat. Now imagine if you play your game at Oregon and then maybe uh, five weeks later back to Oregon, okay? Uh, to me, that's an advantage. So it would really be an SC's advantage to win out, to host the game in the Coliseum where you don't have to travel, especially in the environment we are today, okay? Which I think is very distracting if you're on the road, you know, should I go outside of my room, you know? Get, what should I do? It's like you're trying to, your, your other enemy, so to speak, is the virus. But I think this idea that the um, Pac-12 championship game will be hosted by the best team in the conference record-wise, I'm sure, you know, that, that's an advantage. No question about it. Fans or no fans. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and I looked a little bit uh, through the schedule. You know, as a USC fan, you kind of got accustomed to, you know, all right, they're going to play uh, a terrible Friday bye game. They're going to play a bunch of uh, games against teams coming off bye weeks or, or kind of easy weeks. There doesn't seem to be anything that stands out as, you know, oh my, oh my goodness, uh, this team had, you know, has a major advantage uh, coming into this game. The, the Oregon game, uh, the Utah game, both of those teams actually will be coming off road trips uh, to Cal. Washington State is coming off a Friday game and Arizona uh, is coming off a bye week. But certainly there, there's nothing in there that makes you think, oh, this is a, a complete competitive you know, disadvantage from a, a scheduling purpose. Aside from, like we said, finishing uh, with those four games, USC is going to get a chance to kind of prove itself in terms of being a closer uh, with this season. And I, I can't remember a year where it has closed, uh, you know, on paper that there's a chance, Hey, Oregon is breaking in a new quarterback, Washington, uh, same thing, Utah, same thing. That, that's a lot of questions uh, to be answered for some of those programs, but sure, sure feels like they have the talent uh, to reload and, and get back into this. And, and USC is going to, you know, Keaton Slovis is going to have to answer that kind of sophomore slump idea. He's, he's going to have to step up to the plate uh, and deal with that as USC kind of brings year two uh, of Graham Harrell's offense uh, into some of these games. And, and I think that it's one of those things where we've seen, and, and this might come into it too. I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on this. We've seen some of the helmets with, with kind of the full, face masks and and certainly from what I've seen so far with players responding to that there's been a few that have said you're gonna you're gonna go too deep and three deep a lot because it's gonna be tough to catch your breath and, and really go play after play if, if these are the helmets and the face mask the, the full face mask that they're wearing all year I, I'm curious does USC's offense you know get an advantage in terms of that I think again when you're talking about all the questions uh, that are still to be determined that that's kind of a big one for me how that affects kind of how you have to go to your depth and, and what your defense looks like and is there a, a massive you know rotation that you've got to deal with now uh, throughout the season but USC is going to get some chance to, to kind of fine-tune things you'd think with with the way the schedule looks right now well you know, as far as that, again, I, I, it's, it's a distraction that those final four games, I, I know Oregon is reloading into the backfield, but Hey, we'll be in the seventh, eighth game by the time we, we play the duckies and uh, you know, same thing with Utah, but you know, when I look at those last four games, those are going to the games that are going to decide whether Clay, Clay Helton's future, because uh, I think that uh he was fortunate to be retained. I think there was probably salary issues that we didn't know at the time that had been, re you know, revealed. And, uh, you know, just where they end up, uh, it's really fascinating, actually, uh, if they could play every game. I think they'll be favored in every game, except for maybe at Oregon. Um, so, you know, if they play to the best of their ability, uh, they should at least get into the, the championship game. Uh, and again, like you said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with their the new helmet face guards. Maybe they'll fog up. 
You know, maybe someone will say, you know what, I was breathing through my mask. And just as the ball was coming down for me to catch it, my whole my whole vision stopped. It was like I was in the middle of a fog bank. But uh, that's everybody's gonna have to play with these same questions and with these same uh, you know limitations. So very twilight zone type of season, no question about that. Yeah, I think you're right. Kind of giving USC the nod in in every game, but at Oregon and and even that game might be you know we'll we'll see what Oregon's quarterback situation looks like, but Arizona state, I think, you know, they, based on what they did at home with a backup quarterback uh, against USC last year, I think they probably feel comfortable playing them. Jaden Daniels is, is coming back and he, you know, as much attention as, as Keaton Slovis gets, he's right there uh, in terms of, you know, PAC 12 and national quarterbacks, same, you know, true freshman last year and, and Arizona state's got a lot of faith in him. That game, being in the Coliseum, again, you're talking about no fans, but just kind of familiarity and, and being able to play there, I think. Well, let's face it, SC was fortunate to be in Arizona State in Tempe. I think that so. Game, I, right, right down to the – and like you pointed out, you know, starting quarterback for ASU didn't play. So if I'm coming to L.A. and going, you know, they got – they were lucky to beat us last time, but now we've got our man back at the helm, you know, ca calling the signals. Uh, they're going to come in, I'm sure, very confident – uh, I do think they're a program on the rise. A lot of people thought, thought that Herm Edwards was a, was a joke when they hired him. I don't think that's the case now. If you thought that now, you haven't been paying attention to them. Uh, you know, Utah will be physical. Uh, you know, they've got a system that they run. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting because I think the last game of Washington is really kind of like a game like what type of Washington team are we going to see in the Coliseum? You know, are they going to remain physical, which you would think they would be because Jimmy Lake's a defensive guy, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you what, like you said, if they can get to that November, it's going to be a really interesting November. I'll just say that. Yeah, Washington will be coming off uh, their, their rivalry game. They have a Friday game against against Washington State uh, the week before. And it, does, it, it feels – it feels odd to talk about Washington as, as the final game of the season, but like I said, you know, strap in. It's going to feel odd to talk about a lot of stuff this, this fall, I think. Uh, but it does feel good to talk a little bit just about football uh, for a while. That, that's kind of been missing. Um, seen, um, you know, some, some photos, some videos of USC out there uh, on the field, being able to go through conditioning, uh, with the coaches and, and now you know we're going to flip into August here and, and that's going to be the start uh, of fall the, the scheduled start uh, of fall camp so I, I think again you look at last year you've got Colorado you've got Cal you've got Arizona State you've got kind of UCLA those wins right at the end of the year they were able to kind of kick start I guess momentum into the offseason that was just absolutely doused uh, by Iowa, USC seems like they're going to have a chance to, to build some real momentum uh, at the beginning of the schedule, and then it becomes the, the tests, uh, the tests at the end. And so that is absolutely like, like we had both said, that's the key, I think, to the 2020 season, if we see it play out. And so Clay Helton and his staff, uh, they're going to have some tune-up time, but they're going to have some answers that they need to come up with. Uh, at the end of the year, and and boy, could they make a statement? You know, you're talking you're talking about getting into 
uh, if there is an, an early signing period or, or into, uh, you know, the, the regular signing period, the ability to finish off that 2021 class and, and really maybe jumpstart momentum in 2022, that they've got a, a real chance at how this schedule sets up to do that uh, right at the end of the year. Well, I tell you what, uh, as, as you pointed it out, and after going through this, the UCLA game is really important because if there's no games after that, you hit on the nail on the head. The recruiting end of it, uh, the coming off the Iowa situation, uh, they, they've got to beat UCLA. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's so much riding on that game from a perception standpoint. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's going to be a big-time game because it's got some big-time uh, ramifications, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Just just kind of a, a fun twist uh, to, to this, uh, what's shaping up to be probably a, a pretty crazy season. So, again, that's our look at, at the Pac-12 releasing its 2020 fall schedule, a, a 10-game conference schedule set to go. Uh, September 26th will, will be uh, right now the opening kick, USC at UCLA. So for Greg Katz, this is Eric McKinney. Thanks for listening to the We Are SC podcast.